0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Calvary Youth's podcast. My name is Javen Wallace. I serve as the youth pastor here. Man, has it been such a blessing. Uh, You might be wondering, oh my gosh, Javen, why are we doing a podcast for the youth group? We've never done that before. Okay, here's my two reasons why. First reason, I want to work with parents more. I want parents to know what we're teaching the youth Uh, so that they can partner with us, so that they can back us up on the topics that we're talking about, and just so that they feel comfortable knowing that, you know, I'm only teaching slight heresy to the kids, not full-on heresy. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, Here's the second reason. Um, I want to partner with youth more. Let's say you missed youth group last Wednesday, but you're really invested in the series. You can come to this podcast and listen to what we were talking about last Wednesday. Or let's say, you know, we're talking about these deep issues and topics that are not a one-and-done deal. Anxiety, fear of man, shame, abuse, uh, so on and so forth. These are things that we're going to be encountering in our daily lives that need truth infused in the situation. You can always just come back to this podcast and see what we've talked about on that specific issue. Anyways, I'm really excited. This is the first time I've ever tried this. I'm going to be honest, I don't know what I'm doing. I just have this app with my phone and it's really sweet. Uh, I know this sermon coming up here, this was recorded last Wednesday and I started preaching and just right in the beginning was like, oh, whoops, totally forgot to hit the record button and hit it and like had to kind of do some recap a little bit. Anyway, it's kind of funny. But yeah, I'm interested, I'm curious if people are going to listen to this or even see the benefit of it so i hope you enjoy this sermon is called fear your fear of man
1: okay it's a little out of context but it'll still work (laughs) okay so we've been in this series fear of man uh okay conversation this is not the end all be all uh if you're still you know struggling with this which you probably will we as leaders are here to discuss with you, to talk with you. We, we wanna listen to you and know where you're at with this dynamic, with this issue. Um, yeah, life is incredibly messy. The, the older I get, the more I realize it, it is not as black and white as I thought it was. It's actually quite, it's quite great, it's quite complicated. I remember when I was younger, I would chat with Craig. I was like this junior boy and I go, Craig, <laughs> I'm gonna further God's kingdom more than you. Yeah, I'm bringing it on, and Craig would be like, "Bring it on," and now I'm actually like, you know, I'm the youth pastor, and I'm living this out, and I'm, I'm like, doing that, and I'm realizing, I had no idea. <laughs> it's way more complicated, way more tiring, way more, there's just way more to life than I thought when I was a junior in high school. It's not black and white. It's gray. The older I get, the more gray it becomes. Yes. And the same goes with dealing with issues of sin. It's not instant. I, I love how Riley, he was talking about this topic on Sunday, on how uh, this, this topic of spiritual formation, right? Uh, our, our salvation is by God's grace, we were wretched sinners. We were enemies of God. We were opposed to him. And God, in his great grace, brought us into his family, redeemed us, right? But that does not mean that renewal or what theologians call sanctification, which is the process of removing sin out of your life. That doesn't mean it's just, it, it's there and then it's completely gone. It doesn't mean you're just sitting on the couch and then God's like, <laughs> And then you're just without sin. Whoa. That's not how that works. It, that? it takes work. It's messy. It's not instant at all. There's this saying in, in the business culture. There's actually this super funny video about it. This guy goes, Show me your friends and I'll, I'll show your future. Show me your friends and show your future. You guys know this saying? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. 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 Yeah. It's a very popular saying. Here's, I feel like that saying. Applied to faith. Show me your faith, and I'll show you your works. Show me your faith, I'll show you your works. Right? We see this in James chapter 2. It's the whole topic of the book of James. James chapter 2, James says, But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Right? God's redeemed us. His grace has brought us into His family. The way that we are responding that, we're not working to be saved. We're working because we're saved. We we want to be renewed. We want to be free from sin because we have faith in God and we believe that His ways are good. We, We want to be holy. And that requires work. Sanctification is not easy. It's not instant. And especially with this topic that we're talking about tonight especially with the fear of man. Now, I know we already kind of talked about it during worship, but I I think it's before we even necessarily talk about the fear of man and how to deal with it. What is it? What are we trying to tackle here? Someone tell me, what is fear of man? Any ideas? What is fear of man?
0: This right now. This right now? Not talking because... Oh, okay.
1: Not talking Right? That's oh, yeah, that's super pressure. meta. Yeah, I don't want to say what fear of man is because I'm scared of people. Dang. Okay, well, there's more to it. Peer pressure? Peer pressure. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah. Shame is another one. Anything else? What is fear of man? Yeah. Afraid of being judged. Afraid of being judged. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Uh, here's a really great example that we see... Um, A very good example of fear of man. It's Saul and David. If you guys want to turn there, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 12. You can look at this moment with me. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 12. There's this moment, very good example, of Saul interacting with David. uh, And he is just absolutely controlled, he's absolutely fearful of man. Just some context while you're turning there. Saul has been interacting with the kingdom of Israel. He is the king right now. David's the new kid in town and everybody loves him. And Saul is just wracked with anxiety and jealousy. He's seeing these people love David more than they ever loved Saul. And he is just frustrated about it. He's annoyed. He's, he's resentful. He's bitter. He's angry. All that emotion is coming up, and then we see this moment in verse 12, it says, Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. Now, that word afraid, it's really interesting. That word in the original Hebrew, it's this word, yareh. You want to say that with me? Yareh. Now, yareh, it's an interesting word. It means scared. Like, I'm scared. I'm afraid. Uh Right? Like a spider. A spider shows up. (sighs) Goodbye. (laughs) I don't like spiders. I'm afraid of spiders, right? That's part of yare. But it also has a deeper element to that word. It can also mean reverence. It can mean awe, honor, respect, astonishment. Now, notice in this verse... Saul is afraid of David. His fear is directed towards David. His fear is not directed towards Yahweh. It's not directed towards God. That's very important to know. Edward Welch, brilliant author. He wrote this book called When People Are Big and God Is Small. If you haven't read it, you should. It's, it's, I'm basically copying half his stuff for this series. It's really good. He says this in the book. He defines fear of man this way. Fear, in the biblical sense, is a much broader word. It includes being afraid of someone, but it extends to holding someone in awe, being controlled or mastered by people, worshipping other people, putting your trust in people, or needing people. The fear of man can be summarized this way. We replace God with people. Instead of a biblically guided fear of the Lord, we fear others. So if you're curious, what even is fear of man? That's fear of man. Now, the issue with the fear of man is it is one of the most subtle sins in the book. It can go undetected for years. It can go undetected for. A lifetime. People are just dominated by the fear of man and they have no idea. This is the radar. Fear of under the radar. <laughs> it's just swooping in and out. Oh. From psych. There's a psycho kind of. <laughs> I mean, I just I feel that with myself. Being a youth pastor, it push me a millimeter forward. Uh, I'm I'll be dominated by what the youth leaders think of. I'll be dominated by what coworkers think of me. I'll be dominated by what Corinne thinks of me. Dominated by what you guys, the people that come to this youth group think of me. Or what your parents think of me. I can so easily be controlled by that. And I'm gonna confess, I have. I totally have. It pushed me a millimeter forward, it's subtle. It's so easy to slip into. And then with all those things, what what are the students thinking of me? What are the youth leaders thinking of me? What are the parents thinking of me? What are my coworkers thinking of me? Where is their space? Where is their room for what does God think of me? Am I honoring him right now? Am I submitted to him right now? Uh, No, there's no room. It's out the window. These things are more important. Sorry, God. And I think for many of us, it's already infected us, the fear of man. I've got a list of questions here. I want you to be fully honest with yourself. What is at the root? What's, what's the answer to these questions? If you're, if you're no mask, you know, no hiding, just fully blunt, fully honest. No no signing. Okay, here's the question. Ask yourself this honestly. Why do you wanna do well in school? Why do you wanna do well in your job? Why are you working out? Why are you on a diet? Why do you keep snap streaks? Is that still a thing? What? Yeah, that's snap that's streaks. That's Why do you that's keep that's those? Streak. Why can't you talk to your classmates about Jesus? Well, yeah. Why do you feel you don't have any control over your life? Why do you feel you need control over your life? Why are you so caught up in self-esteem and the way you perceive yourself? Why are you always second-guessing your decisions? Why are you so controlled by what people will think of you? Why do you get easily embarrassed? Why are you lying? It doesn't matter if they're white lies, if they're small lies. Why? Why are you lying? Why do you get jealous? Why do you avoid people? Why do you feel good about yourself? Is it because you're constantly comparing yourself to other people? Why do you try to be perceived as the nicest person in the room? Why does everything you do need to appear as perfect? Why do you try so hard to seem strong and tough? Why are you working so hard to be successful? Why are you not working so hard to be successful? Why do you need a unique vibe? You have to be the most unique person in a room. Why do you have to be the smartest person in the room? Why do you feel you need to constantly be doing something? Do you get my point here? The fear of man is so subtle and its fruit comes out in so many different ways. If we're not careful, let's, let's be honest, we're not, we're not careful. Fear of man will dominate you, it will make you miserable. And and the issue is it is everywhere. It's it's in the air we breathe. It reminds me of this scene from SpongeBob. Steven, you got that scene? Oh, turn on the volume. Do you have it? You know, okay, well, I guess oh the volume doesn't exist. You know this meme though? He's yeah. like Bray,ray. Look at this. It's everywhere. The diapers. It's in the wall. And then he goes, Dah! and it's like everywhere. And Patrick had no idea. He's just sitting on the couch and he, I guess the smell didn't bother him, right? But that, that's, oh, that's true. He doesn't have a nose. There's the episode where he does get a nose and then he goes crazy. You're right. Okay. I love SpongeBob so much. Shout out to my, my boy, Bob. But, I think that's a good visual representation. We're just like Patrick. We're looking at a TV. We don't have a sense of smell. And we don't realize fear of man. Pressures are pushing us and they are everywhere. It's in the ads we see, the movies we watch, the apps we scroll on, the websites we browse. Edward Welch, he says this. Fear of man is such a part of our human fabric that we should check for a pulse if someone denies it. What we're asking tonight, it's really simple, super simple. Have you given this issue the attention it needs? Have you? Or are you like Patrick just looking at a TV completely unaware? Have you given this issue the attention it needs? Now, I, 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 you might be thinking, like, Javen, you're getting a little intense. <laughs> Calm down. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, so what? I, I like hanging out with my friends more than praying. That's a normal thing. That's not weird. Don't, you're going way too intense. Or, or so what if I get jealous? I'm not that holy. Come on, give me a break. Cut me some slack. Or or so what if I want to look good? Or, Or so what if I really value what this person thinks of me? That's not weird. Everyone does that. I can't even see God. Why are you putting all this weight and pressure and expectation on me? Just cut me some slack. Let me live my life in peace. I'm sure a couple of us are considering that. And look, I get you. I hear you. Listen, I'm not saying if you use Snapchat, you're going to hell. I'm not saying that. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you can't value your friends. I'm not saying that. What I I want us to consider tonight is, am I loving people more than I love God? That's all I want us to consider tonight. Am I loving people more than I love God? And I also want us to consider, if you are loving people more than God, the fruit that will bring in your life. We've got a couple of examples uh, in God's word, in the scriptures. Um, Go ahead, if you want, I also have it up on the screen, turn to Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 6. Here's an example of someone dealing with the fear of man. Now, God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah. And he says this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. So God speaks through Jeremiah, and what he does, he gives the people of Israel a warning. He says, if you trust, more, if you trust man more than me, if you trust man more than God, you're cursed. You'll end up like a bush in the wasteland. That image that Jeremiah is bringing to light, it's evoking an image of a tumbleweed in a desert. It's dry. It's weak. It's directionless. It's just pushed to and fro by the wind. It's deprived. It's alone. It needs water. It's not satisfied. Think of it like this. Think of your heart. Imagine, because this is a biblical truth here. Your heart is like a tank. No, I don't mean like, dude, this dude's a tank. I don't mean like a military tank. I mean like a water tank. Okay, your heart is a tank. It's a water container. The issue is this tank has a ginormous leak in it. Whatever you're going to try filling up that heart, that tank with, it is just gonna leak out the bottom. It may be exciting, it may be joyful for a while, maybe a year, maybe five years, maybe 10 years. But it will splatter out. It will not satisfy you. They only last for so long. You'll end up dry. Listen, what you're looking for. It's God. God is the one who satisfies. This is what Josh was talking about last week. God is the one. Who brings that satisfaction to you. He's the one that fills up that tank and patches that leak. It's only him. It's no one else. It's nothing else. What you're craving for is a deep relationship. Where you give God everything you have. Everything. Here's another example. I, I mentioned this passage a little bit. In the beginning, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Uh, We're going to look at verses 5 through 9 right now. We're actually kind of reading half the chapter. It's this visceral, very dramatic story. 1 Samuel chapter 18. It's up on the screen if you want to read it. Uh, Here's what it says. Right, reminder context. Saul is king. David's new in town. Everyone loves him. He's having a hard time with it. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, aka Goliath, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs. And with timbrels and lyres, as they danced, they sang. And this is like, I mean, it's like cool, but got a feel for him. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased them greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Now, it's really sobering to see Saul here. I'm going to be honest with you. I can relate with this guy right now. I remember being in middle school and just like, I'll I'll get honest here. I was looking at Charlie Hirschman and going, why is he so cool?
0: <laughs> Why
1: does everyone love Charlie? All the girls have a crush on him. None of the girls have a crush on me. I hate this. <laughs> this is, you know, like, I just, I totally can understand Saul here.
0: Everybody had a crush on you. Hi uh, no, stop like I'm talking about middle school. I definitely got a little more popular in high
1: school. <laughs>
0: Jokes, jokes, jokes. <laughs> but I
1: remember I like really wrestling with that. I had to really wrestle with like bitterness and jealousy, and the Lord helped me through that. But I I totally get Saul here, and that's troubling. That's <laughs> scary, especially what happens next. Okay. Uh, disclaimer: I don't really empathize with this part. <laughs> Verse ten. Now it came about on the next day. That an evil spirit from God came mightily upon Saul. So God allowed a demon to attack Saul. And he raved in the midst of the house. He's basically, your Bible might say, prophesy. It's kind of a hard word to translate. It really means that he's just babbling to himself like a crazy person. And he's doing this while David was playing the harp with his hand as. Usual. So David would usually play the harp to soothe Saul, help him in distress, and just be a servant and bless him. And a spear was in Saul's hand. Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped from his presence twice. It is intense. Very, very intense. Saul straight up tries to kill him. He has so much hatred. He's like, I'm going to pin that guy to the wall with my spear. I mean, talk about like, dude, do not tell me the Old Testament is boring. This is like better than Shakespeare. This is crazy. There's so much drama. It's like, Macbeth, no, give me 1 Samuel, dude. This is crazy. This is really intense. Right? David's just trying to soothe the king, and then he's like, ah! <laughs> Like a, I am the cynic. What's that do? I'm from Palpatine. the okay, Here's what happens. Verse 12. Saul was afraid of David. Remember, I was quoting this from the beginning. Because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns in everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. Okay, so, I mean, I don't know about David. If a dude throws a spear at me, I'm not going to accept a promotion from him. But that's what he does. I'm I, theorizing possibly he's like... Okay, hey, dude, that wasn't me. Like some demon. Like I'm so sorry about that. Let me promote you. Let me love you. <laughs> and he does all this stuff. But you know, it, you can read this chapter on your own time. I really recommend that you do because there's some crazy stuff. But later in the chapter, he promotes uh, David, and then he's like, you know what? I'm gonna offer this guy my my eldest daughter in marriage. Cause David, you should marry my eldest daughter. I love you, buddy. And I think this is a really important detail to point out. Fear of man can not only manifest itself in, get away from me. It can manifest itself in, I love you, man. Herod, I'll give you my stuff. You're just trying to, like Saul here, he's just trying to manipulate David. He's just trying to manipulate the situation. He's trying to set up a trap for him. But really, all he does, he ends up, Setting up a trap for himself. You see at the end of the chapter, verse 29, says, Saul became still more afraid of him, and he remained his enemy the rest of his days. Talk about a bummer. He becomes a bitter old man. Wait, what happened between that? Bunch of stuff. He offers his daughter, David, becomes super cool, and then he just hates him. Hates him until he dies. I mean, talk about an image of a dry directionalist bush just pushed around, just like what Jeremiah was saying. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Now ask yourself this honestly, who do we want to end up more like? Do you want to end up more like Saul or do you want to end up like David? Okay, let's talk about this. What's the defining difference? Like if we were to change one thing about Saul to make him like David, what would that one thing be? What's the defining difference between David and Saul? Someone tell me. David. Say again? Fear of man. Fear of man, yeah. Trust in the Lord. Fear of man. Jesus. I think David is... Oh, yeah, Jesus. That's good. I think
0: David is very like, grounded and rooted in the Lord. Yes. And he uh, kind of understands. Like, you know.
1: Yeah, he's grounded in the Lord. He understands. Super good. Yep. Uh, David wasn't like, greedy.
0: Did David like, wasn't greedy.
1: go after Saul's throne. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. The way that I phrased it, David loved God and trusted God. Saul loved people and trusted himself. And we see the difference of fruit. He ends up a bitter, angry old man until he dies. Compare that with the rest of this passage in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 through 8. It's going to be up on the screen. You don't have to turn there. It says this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water. That sends out its roots by the stream. And does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought. For it does not cease to bear fruit. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you want that? Don't you want direction don't you want strength don't you want water life Don't you, you want to be planted on something deeper than yourself that that won't let you down that that feeds you don't you want to bear good fruit don't you Amen, yeah. right yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I I, i'm not saying christians don't watch movies that's not what i'm saying no I'm not saying Christians can't use Instagram. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you can't enjoy being with your friends. No. You're misunderstanding if that's what you think I'm saying. No. What I'm, what I'm asking is, what is your deepest joy? Where are you finding your security? What's your deepest security? Where is that? If it's in people... You are in the same shoes as Saul. You are. You're on the same path. The whole goal for tonight is just to take this seriously. It's to take the fear of man seriously. The title for the sermon, Fear Your Fear of Man. Like, take it seriously. The first step to finding freedom from the fear of man, yes, it's the fear of God. But you're not going to move towards the fear of God if you don't realize the issue of fear of man in the first place. You cannot move towards the fear of God if you don't fear your fear of man first. And that's the whole goal for tonight. Take this seriously. Psalms 139 verse 23, it says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Look, God is asking for all of you. He's asking for every last bit of you. He wants the whole deal. He wants you to be renewed. Not just partially renewed. Not just partly free from sin. No, He wants you fully free from it. And we, we're never going to be fully perfect. In this life, that's not a biblical understanding. We're never going to be perfect. But are we not aiming for that? Are we not striving for that? Isn't that what Christ-like means? Christ, the perfect person. We're, we're aiming to be like Him. That's the whole point. That's the whole goal. That's the whole reason. We're doing ourselves a huge disservice. We're stabbing ourselves in the foot. You gotta understand, you are missing out on the biggest adventure of your life. You are. Like, think, of it, think of it like this. Lord of the Rings. Specifically the Hobbit. We're talking about the Hobbit. Think of it of the Hobbit, right? Bilbo. He's just comfortable in his house. What if that story was Gandalf showed up to Bilbo's house and was like, Bilbo? Dude, there's a dragon, there's a mountain. You gotta come on this sweet adventure. And then Bilbo's like, dude, yeah, I'm all in. I'm totally down, let's go. There's only one issue. You've got all of me except my left foot. My left foot cannot leave this house. What, he's not going on the adventure. He's got his right foot out the door, his left foot still inside the house. He's not on the adventure. No, no, you need both your feet in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you need to put all of yourself into this. He's asking for everything. And then when you do that, you experience the greatest adventure of your life. You really do. G.K. Chesterton once said, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. You could also say found lacking. No, it, it has been found difficult And left untried. That's what it has been. So many young people are like this. They have one foot out the door and one foot in the door. That is not a pleasant experience. That's not faith. That's not the adventure God's calling you to. No, that's not at all what he's calling you to. Give him everything you have. Ask God to have all of you, every nook, every cranny, every amount of untapped potential. Ask Him to cleanse you. Put your faith in Him. Be, be the person who is so planted, so made, motivated by His glory that nothing could rip you out of that. That is life. That is what God is offering. But we're not letting Him. We're not. Paul says this in Romans 8. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't you want that? Yeah. In Psalms one eighteen six 6-7. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. That starts by asking God to search you. That's how you get there. What does that look like? It just looks like listening listening to him. Start with that. Like for goodness sakes, give him 15 minutes of your time. He, He died for you. Tomorrow, just listen to him. Go, God. How am I doing with the fear of man right now? Do I love people more than I love you? How am I doing that, God? Would you please convict me and bring things to life I didn't even know about? And then he will. And Just write it down in a journal. We gotta be aware of this stuff. We gotta take it seriously. We need to fear it. There's a time when you, you, need to make your faith your own faith. We as leaders, we cannot spoon-feed you conviction. I wish that was the case, but we can't. We can't spoon-feed you sensitivity to the Spirit. We can't do that. That's not how it works. There's a time, there's a place when you need to choose, I'm going on that adventure. God, I am giving you my all. I did that when I was a freshman. I'm telling you, I never looked back. You don't have to wait until you're in ninth grade to do that either. You can do that right now. Or if you're in twelfth grade, it's not too late. Give them everything you have. It's worth it. Amen, somebody? Amen. Okay, I went a little long. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your conviction. Thank you so much for the power that you bring. Lord, would you free us from the fear of death? God, would you search us, make us aware of how we need freedom? Come, help us with your grace. Give us, or give you everything. God, would you help us give you everything? We love you. Pray this
0: in your name. Amen. 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 Amen.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. You guys, let's stand. Let's sing a couple more songs. <laughs> Thank you.